Hello, and welcome to the Council Culture Podcast, a podcast where we look through the lens of counselling in today's culture to help and equip you to live life to the full wherever you are. believe that everyone should have access to and benefit from the core skills of counselling that help you do life well. Leading ourselves in relationships, mental and emotional health, work and navigating life in these really fast changing times. My name is Nicholas Marks and it is my pleasure to host Council Culture. Last week was the first part of our conversation with Kate Seselja. She spoke candidly about her 14-year struggle with an addiction to gambling, how it left her feeling isolated and hopeless in the face of mounting debt, shame, and enormous stress to herself and her family. In this episode, we'll continue on with this important conversation. We'll hear about Kate's journey out of addiction and into recovery, and then what she's doing now. Kate's passionate about reaching out to others in a similar dark place so they can not only recover, but find true freedom and life. And so I start by asking Kate about the word addiction and whether she thought, do we all have addictions or is it just an unlucky few? Here's her response. Yes, I, I think that we do. We all um, gravitate towards things that we enjoy and we do mindlessly. Yep. and um, Easily. Easily, yeah. you know. I think that when we can stop and actually reflect on our life, um, we can start to notice things and decide whether or not they are helpful or constructive or are they unhelpful and destructive. And I think that word does come with a whole lot of baggage and um, misrepresentation and um, confusion and it's very stigmatising but – I think it's accurate at just helping people understand the mental hijack that happens when you are in the grip of a struggle. Talk um, about the mental hijack. That's a that's a good marriage of words there. Mm, what does that mean? It means that when we're in an emotional state, a triggered state, yeah. um, we are not in our intentional, logical self. Uh, we're we've disconnected from that part of our brain, okay. and we're being driven by um, our reactive self. Um, so that can look like fight or flight. It can look like um, you know just trying to connect to safety. It can look like um, you know just trying to detach completely, um, numb, distract be operating out of fear, regret, shame. Um, escape. Escape. And so when we see a person or they know uh, that they're struggling with something, they're not necessarily understood that when they're in that state, they are not themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I sh- often show people – the Snickers ad, you know, with Betty White and um, how it says, you know, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Um, that's one of the things. Um, there's an acronym, H-A-L-T, you're not 
yourself when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And when you're in one of those states, you're supposed to stop and reconnect yeah. to your breath, to you know, ground yourself um, so that you can access your logical, intentional, and intelligent part of your brain. Mm. Yourself. Um, yes, yeah. your actual self. Mm. Uh, and we're not taught that kind of language or understanding around that. So we'll see somebody in a, you know, completely hijacked by um, this state of being and think that that's who they are. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Um, it just, they're, they've accessed pain and they're unresourcefully dealing with it like we all do, you know, when we're in the grip of something that we yeah. don't have a handle on. And then dealing with it, let's say, with one of those things we spoke about, those list of things that can be addictive. Yes. And then before you know it, yeah. you do it again. Because there is some high or the, the dopamine rush or some yes. feeling of exhilaration that you can get from those things, albeit temporary, and then it goes again. The tide goes out and then it, mm. I'll, I'll do it again. And before we know it, dealing with those issues or the hijacked um, the mental hijack, mm-hmm. you're stuck. I, I can't seem to get rid of this thing. And is it then the whole sense of, um, oh, no, no one else has got this, I'm dealing with this, and, and then the hiding and the shame then creeps in, then you're, yeah. you're really in something that you're unlikely to get out of yourself. Yes. I think um, what happens is that isolation occurs, mm-hmm. um, the feelings of shame, the feelings of um, – just confusion and when we feel those things and we've got a a perception that everybody else is fine and, you know, living their life, especially if you're looking at, you know, you wake up and all you're looking at is somebody's feed, you know, on social media, it's it's everybody's highlights. Who's got it together. And that's not a true representation of of our humanness. Um, So... I think it's important to use that word addiction as like you would um, if you were looking at a Polaroid. Like it understands a moment in time where you can recognise that this is um, a struggle, but it's not who you are. Um, where you want to go is it, everybody um, has access to that freedom, that hope, that um way of being intentional in our life but if we're only looking at our life through shame and regret then we're looking backwards at our life yeah. um yeah. and robbing ourselves of our future yeah it is a thief isn't it because it, it, is. it steals from you in, yes. in lots of ways yes and in, in your future being one of them mm. yeah question about people who might be stuck in things now or have um, I love that expression of it's a it's a Polaroid. Mm. It's a it's a snapshot in time. Yep, that's that's. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. It's a really good way of seeing it mm-hmm. because uh, I just want to come back there because you we will naturally I think in what you're saying, Kate, is we attach it to our identity, don't we? Definitely. It's like I am what, and usually doesn't end up being a good statement. I'm this or that. Yeah. Or or that statement of I'm an addict. Mm. Or so it's. I'm exhibiting – we might not use this language, but it's exhibiting that behaviour Yeah. and I can get out of this and have hope. Yes. And so your language changes. And 
your language would have changed over time? Because words matter, don't they, what we say to ourselves? Definitely. I, I think that's been the number one priority of the last six years has been trying to help correct vernacular in people um, because the, without even being consciously aware of it, we, you know, attach our identity to our struggle and that's not helpful. It's not who we are. It just is representing pain that you haven't dealt with. Um, and so whenever I hear somebody refer to themselves um you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a this or I'm a that, I say, no, you're just human, mm. you know. Mm. And it's just that constant reminder of, okay, I can keep breathing. I'm just human. I'm no different to anybody else. Um, and just because you might know people in your world who haven't struggled with anything that you can visibly see doesn't mean that it's not happening. Um, and... We're, you know, we're we're supposed to help people and not judge them. Absolutely. So, so words matter. Definitely. And not attaching my identity to whatever, particularly in a in a downward way. I'm I'm because mm. it ends up being negative. I'm no good. I, I am yeah. this. I am that. Yep. Uh, is is huge, isn't it? It's huge. Um, mm. But when we can just really grow in compassion for ourselves, yep. then greatly increases our ability to be compassionate with others. Going back to old ways, mm. do you have any, any, any wisdom on that? I think um, – well, Not going back to old ways, yeah. the point. <laughs> Just put a knot in there. Um, what I have been doing um, in recent years is trying to help reframe this whole area of addiction and struggle around right. understanding resilience but, but being proactive with it. Um, because when people talk about resilience, especially um, through the context of the past, they they think it's about bouncing back. And I really um, relate it to how I felt, you know, for 14 years I was trying to go backwards. I just wanted to go back. Whenever we're saying, um, you know, I just got to get back to the gym or I've got to go back to, you know, really be mindful of that because you're trying to reclaim a past version of you. And you're not going in that direction. No one is. You ain't there. We are going forward. So we need to be proactive in when we notice overwhelm in our life to be proactive at being intentional. The way that we um, can be really connected to ourselves and to our community is through looking at what are what is my uniqueness you know, I think we spend too much time trying to compare ourselves to other people and it's never, ever going to make sense. It never ends well. It never ends well mm. because we're not the same as anybody. Mm. So the more that we can connect to our own uniqueness and our own gifts, then we're more likely to utilise them in a constructive way in our communities, in our homes, in our workplaces. And when we tap into that uniqueness, it just helps us orient towards, you know, a path that is constructive, that is contributing, that is connected. And so, you know, when people say, oh, I've, I've been sober for whatever, I'm like, yeah, okay, congratulations, you can stop drinking. But if you're still disconnected in all the other aspects of your life, then that's not, that's not the benchmark for me of, of how well you're living your life. It's 
how connected are you? Yeah. You know, so I don't care about whether people are sober or not. Or um, It's about how connected are you to yourself mm-hmm. and to your community because that's how we actually thrive. We're not just here to exist. We're here to thrive. Yeah. And as I said, use that um, constructive anger and passion to um, fight for better environments, better um, homes, better workplaces, better schools, you know, and, and use our experience of adversity, of hardship for the benefit of others. That's the whole, you know, we're, you know, I hate that uh, that term failing forward, but it's it's kind of a better way of, of describing um, how when we do stumble or face adversity in our life, how we're supposed to actually utilise it mm. in moving forward with it. Yeah. And the other one that robs us of so much joy and connection is I'll be happy when. Mm. Mm. You know, so one is I'm trying to go backwards and the other is I'm postponing my joy, success, connection until I reach some imagination place in the future. When I get there. When I get there, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yep. No, we have to be okay here in the mess, mm. in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, and and be all right in our humanness and not think when I'm perfect, I'll get it all done. Yeah. And that would probably speak to a lot of people if we're, if we're focused on the past or about some future that hasn't come, but I'll, when it gets, when I get to that place yeah. or that point, then I'll be fine. Yes. If you're in either of those or both of those, you you can't actually be fully present no. and live well now. No. So it's yeah. That's that's very powerful. It is, and it's it can creep in. So you know, it's just as I said, just connecting yeah. each day um, to what is in alignment with my values, my beliefs right now. Yeah. How do I want to just take my next step? That's it. It's not about rushing forward in our life to a happier place. You know, I just want to feel better, people say. Yeah. I just want to feel better. Mm. No, you're just trying to avoid actually feeling. Mm. Mm. Hence these different coping mechanisms yeah. that we can use that aren't healthy. Yeah. We've been through – we've been through a – the past year or two, mm-hmm. it's been pretty, pretty big. Mm-hmm. What have you seen in terms of the, the conversation we're having now, what we're talking about? Very broad brush to start with, where people are at and are some of these coping mechanisms, mm. addictions, such such words as that, mm. is, is, is there more of that yes. going on? There is. It's been, uh, you know, tragically an a unhealthy spike in, um, you know, not very constructive ways of, of coping mm. um, during the pandemic. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's been amplified by um, disconnection, um, you know, people being separated from loved ones or mm. activities that they enjoy doing, um, you know, for being laid off at work. Um, it, you know, there's been a huge social impact um, of the pandemic but on another hand, it has kind of uh, given us permission to disconnect from things that were robbing us of time, joy, yeah. intention um, to our values. And so if we can um, 
just try and understand what what blessings are in that disconnection and then choose how we want to reconnect uh, with our beliefs, our um, you know goals and things in mind, then it makes it easier for us to you know make those intentional choices and so being a recovery coach in the last 18 months has has been interesting because normally you know I would say you know what sport do you love that you've yeah. not played in 10 years and but I couldn't do that so we've had to really create um you know a sense of community and connection amongst people just living their life together and having honest and vulnerable conversations and it, you know it's just made all the difference when people feel connected even to total strangers yeah um has, just has just there been some more connection and some in amongst what you've seen because you're in a unique perspective with what mm. you do and the recovery coaching uh, and talking to people you've seen some people have become more disconnected and some have found new connection yeah I think it's been both yeah. I've I've seen people um, who you know have have found it very very challenging and um, you know so just walking alongside them giving them that encouragement even when they can't see any positives in mm. their life um, just being sometimes the only cheerleader in their life you know everybody else in is judging their behaviour but in trying to help them understand yeah. their pain and come at it from another angle um, is so important. And then likewise, um, you know, seeing people just feel like they've emerged from a fog that that they, you know, really hadn't realised they were caught in mm. because it was, you know, it looked like everybody else's life. You know, when you're just swept yeah. along in it um, and you don't realise all the choices that have led to that spot you can just go oh wow you know like I don't even enjoy any of my weekend because we're doing 10 different sports or you know like when was the last time we ever went to the mountains or a walk Mm. you know seeing people walk around the suburbs again was such a huge thing Um, and I've had so many different people mention that same thing of families just going out people going out and just doing something because they had to Mm. very local Mm. very simple like going for a walk together, mm. which is such a good thing, isn't it? It's so good. So that's the there's a there's a forced there's a lot of forced things in the last eighteen months, but there's been a forced pause and reflect if if we'll take that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And been anything that you've really rethought, re reset for for Kate and family in the past uh, eighteen months? Is there? I think I always kind of considered myself a very social person, but. I really thoroughly enjoyed just being at home with my family. Like so much so that the first time, you know, I went to something social on the other side of that, I felt really awkward, you know, like it. it, can totally relate. (laughs) (laughs) So I never thought of myself as an introvert, um, but I've really discovered that part of me. And I think we've made more introverts when (laughs) people have crossed over from the E to I. <laughs> and, and you mentioned something I think early on is on around grief and loss. There's been some, there's been loss mm. and different degrees for people living overseas, mm. stuck overseas, mm. uh, family overseas, mm. been overseas when a loved one has died. 
um, lockdowns. There's been different levels of loss and grief for people, but having a time to to actually grieve yes. what has been lost, whether it's very acute, e.g., family member, that's that's a really big deal, or the the loss of something that was in our life that we can't do anymore. That's that's very important, isn't it? It is, um, and as I said, that people just. I hear it so often. People say, I just want to feel better. But they're just avoiding actually being yeah. in that pain. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're just not conditioned as a society to be able to tolerate pain. Um, no, or we will understand. Go to, to avoid it, won't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. Quite literally. I mean, I, Absolutely. Know, that hurts. You know, the, yeah. the, the hot plate burns me. I don't want to touch it again yep. through to um, pain. Of, um, some sort of grief that I, I won't go there because it's mm. too hard. Mm. Um, one of those is going to materialise down the track Yeah, if it's not dealt with in a healthy way, isn't it? Definitely. And to try and avoid grief, it's the actual evidence of love. Mm. You know, it's the evidence of passion. It's the evidence of connection. And when we deny connecting to that and and really seeing it for what it is then we're it's like chopping off our arm you know like yeah and pretending that it's not there mm-hmm. and it's not enough for us we need to be connected to all the parts of ourselves yeah um when people come to me and they're like trying to make sense of their life often it's like I say to them, you've handed me a book, but you've ripped out every third page because you didn't like what was on that page. Right. It's a good analogy. Yeah. And then they're they're sitting there looking at this book or they're showing other people, but it's never, ever going to make sense until you're okay with all of the parts of you. Yep. All of the experiences. Even the 14 years of yeah. going to hell and back. Yes. Makes up the part of who you are now and how you live forward. Yes. Especially that maybe. I am grateful that I got the opportunity to come awake in my life and probably for the first time. Mm. You know, I I think at one point I thought I just want to, you know, go back and I want to – but I don't think I was ever this happy being me, Mm. you know. Um, You just went the long way. Yeah. Um, And – so, yeah, like you said, you know, is there anything that's off limits or I can't talk about? No. Yeah. I, I'm 100% okay with my humanness mm-hmm. and what we've endured because it's, it gives everything context. Um, there's no way that I could speak truth into other people's lives unless I'd lived it. Yeah. Kate, there's going to be people out there now, I'm going to say this in terms of they're either caught in something themselves so using something to cope that can become addictive mm-hmm. or caught in an addiction mm-hmm. or they have a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some that could be some form of because of trauma or um, just trying to get by or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, what would you say to them? I think whenever people have asked me, you know, how do I talk to my loved one about this, um, mm. I say to them, lead with your vulnerability. You know, you you can't – It. I guess it's the secret weapon, the secret power 
that I have is I lead with my story and it gives permission for other people to be human. And if you're just coming at someone, pointing out all the things that they're doing wrong or what you don't like or how you're operating from your own sense of pain Mm. because you can't bear to see another person in the grip of struggle, then you've got to check in with yourself because you can't come at them through your pain. You have to provide that access for their humanness to be with your humanness. Lending safety to somebody is the most important thing we can do as a human being. Lending safety to somebody. That's a really interesting term. Just to, Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, and I think it's really beautifully um, illustrated in the Disney movie Inside Out how, oh, yeah. um, you know, all of the bridges to all of the connections, the girl, has, she doesn't have an addiction, but she's systematically losing connection with all the parts of her. And, right. and disappearing into isolation. Yeah. And um, Joy is running around trying to, like, you know, stop all that from happening, but she's trying to stop the growth. She was trying to short-circuit her to a happy place yeah. without actually feeling the grief, the pain, the trauma that she was in. And so in trying to deny that process to be able to see somebody in pain and just accept them where they're at, yeah. not try and rush them to their healing or their happiness out of your own sense of discomfort with their humanness, yeah. then we're trying to short-circuit that growth and healing process. And so that little girl couldn't form those new and stronger connections until she actually felt sad. Mm. The, the language I like to use for people is, Let's try and figure out what's harming your well-being. Yep. Because that's so much more um, inviting and, you know, let's be curious with your pain rather than what's wrong with you. I want to talk about the the effort that the person is going to need to make because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. would I be right in saying there's going to be an intersection there between um, what's harming your well-being and, mm-hmm. and that approach and that's right mm-hmm. and – there's, you, you might not say this to the person at the time, but there's some work to be done here, isn't there? And you, you would Absolutely. have had to do some heavy lifting, some hard work yeah. over recent years. Can you just talk about that intersection of mm. of take of those two approaches coming together? Because there's, mm. there's work to be done for the for the person who's caught up in something. Yeah, I think another one of those illusions is that there's hard life and an easy life. Mm. You know, um, one of the best things I don't know who said it but you know it's like marriage is hard but being single is hard being employed is hard being unemployed is hard um you know choose your hard choose your pain yeah yeah so you know if we can just try and kind of dispel with some of those myths that keep people thinking there's um some you know there was this right path and they've moved so far away from it that now they don't know how to get back to that path. Um, it's every day when we open up our eyes, we get to choose how we take those next steps. Um, so there isn't, you know, a, a magic time that that can happen. Yeah. Um, you you've know, got, you've got to be right by by Christmas because yeah. we're, we're going away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's through 
encouragement and support and compassion and understanding that people will reevaluate their relationships to alcohol, to whatever they're struggling with, mm-hmm. um, if they're given that freedom and that connection to safety, as I said, of um, whether that's in a physical environment, whether that's um, just being able to exhale and be okay with their humanness. Yep. Um, but when we try and, you know, put parameters or time frames around a, a person, it just it doesn't work. It feels like they're never going to measure up yeah. to, I guess, your expectations. Yeah. They know the, the hard road that yeah. they have ahead. Yeah. Um, they just need to know that they're not alone in it. That's really well said. Yeah. You know, no one ever for one second thinks it's going to be a piece of cake mm. to to change your life. Yeah. Um, but it's when we feel forced into it or, you know, parameters and yeah. conditions and all of that that feel, um, you know, make people feel unsafe. Tell us about some of the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Your, what does your work now look like? So you've come out of this mm-hmm. and it's been a life-changing, without any mm-hmm. um, underestimating there, it's been a life-changing time for you. It has changed your life mm-hmm. and the trajectory of your life down to uh, what your focus and passion and attention is given to, uh, as well as your family, of course. Yes. But in terms of your work, what are you doing? A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the the pandemic kind of put a hold on some of my live um, events, but, yeah, just creeping back into that, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I love doing resilience training in workplaces, schools, community groups. Um, so I share a documentary that I brought out from the US called Resilience, the Biology of Stress and the Science of Hope. And, you know, really run people through um, how to be intentional um, and understand how to be sustainable as a human being. So in and through that, people go, oh, you know, I was struggling with drinking, you know, probably a few too many drinks at night or, um, oh, so much of what you said made sense. You know, I'd never really thought of myself as struggling with anything, but now I'm kind of reevaluating my relationship to, you know, work or um, social media or, or whatever that looks like. But it, it's just amazing how when you frame it in that context, people receive it um, without saying, you know, do you struggle with an addiction? Come to this workshop. It's it's not like that. Um, yeah. It yeah. just provides that, that freedom for people to just, as I said, just have that real honest look at their life. Um, yeah. Even that word you just used, Daniel, that your relationship with alcohol or your yes. relationship with social media, it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's a good way to say it. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, wow. So you're doing that teaching uh, in, in workplaces, in schools, yep. um, and you have – is that – that's the AWAKE program? Yep. Yeah. And um, then I'm doing recovery coaching with um, an incredible – American company called Ignited Recovery, and um, so I'm their first Australian coach. Um, and congratulations! Yes, yeah. so it's it's a really great 
um, yeah, online community that I'm thrilled to be a part of. And, yeah, so that's been what keeps me busy. Besides my advocacy for gambling reform, I'm now on the ministerial committee um, to get change happening in our local area. I've been wow. in that place for a while. So Wow. We, uh, we have a segment, Kate, on the, on the podcast called Good Counsel mm-hmm. where uh, I'd like to ask you one tip, mm-hmm. one piece of advice, one piece of good counsel that you'd like to leave with our listeners. I think if people can just show up for themselves first each day, it can make an enormous difference to their own well-being. Um, so what does that look like? Well, I carved out. 5am to 6am as my time because I knew it was the only hour of the day that I could guarantee that would just be mine mm-hmm. um, before the world came knocking, you know. And But that involves being intentional the night before. So it's about setting your alarm, laying out your clothes if you're going to go for a walk or deciding what podcast you're going to listen to or where – your little prayer corner is or whatever that hour looks like for you for the first moments of your day because we don't realise how little time we actually stop and reflect and actually do things for ourselves. And it takes a while to build that muscle, doesn't it? It does, yeah, definitely, especially if there's been decades of self-loathing. It's not going to be an overnight thing but just – try and, you know, hear words of compassion, whether they're my words or, you know, as I said, feeding yourself with nourishing words, nourishing thoughts. From yourself and others. From yourself and others. It's so important. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Kate, I want to thank you for today. It's it's such a personal story. It's also compelling and you really – you're making yourself vulnerable. As you said during the talk, our conversation is so that you can give permission to others mm. to do the same. Mm. So I've no doubt that people out there have found this really encouraging. It's your bravery and courage, which does encourage people mm-hmm. uh, to do the same. So I, I thank you for being a blessing and thank you for doing what you're doing. That's my yeah. pleasure. So uh, where can we find you? Where are you? I am on Instagram, um, the.hope.project. Um on Facebook, um, I'm. You can just reach me at Kate at thehopeprojectnow.com. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. If you know people who like you are passionate about growing and learning and transformation, why don't you share this episode with them and also hit the subscribe button and give us a review. It all helps to spread the word. We really want your input to this podcast, so visit us at councilculture.org.au where you can send in your questions or recordings on a variety of topics which we'll use to explore in future episodes. Thanks again and remember together we can impact our culture through good counsel. See you next time.